This is Mary Mac Tremani, and you're listening to Paper Cuts on Clock Tower Radio. I'm here with Mary Tremonte at the fourth annual LA Art Book Fair. Um, Mary is an artist, a DJ, an educator, all-around awesome person who's here at the Just Seeds table. Uh, Mary, welcome to Paper Cuts. Hi, Chris. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm really excited to be just catching up with you. Um, we met in Pittsburgh years ago, and now you're in Toronto and I'm in Brooklyn. Um, so it's always great to be able to come to these fairs and see old friends and really amazing people showing all their stuff. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about what you have at the table and what Just Seeds is? <laughs> sure. Um, well, Just Seeds Artists Cooperative, we're a decentralized cooperative of printmakers who make work um, about and in support of movements for social and environmental justice. Uh, yeah, we have 30 members based all over North America, Turtle Island, uh, two in Canada, a few in Mexico City, and the rest are around the U.S. Um, and so today I have a selection of posters and prints from most of the members of the group, um, and also some silkscreen bandanas, which are my specialty, embroidered badges, and some of our publications, too. Uh, we have some new ones. We have a paperback version of A People's Art History of the United States, which Nicholas Lampert just released last year, um, which he worked on for over a decade. Um, I have a zine that I co-edit with my friend Jenna Lee Ford called Theory Boner about uh, the pleasure, taking pleasure in critical theory, feminist and queer theory through visual art. Um, so we have our second issue, which is manifesto themed here today. Um, yeah, I think that's the gist of what we have. You can't see this because we're audio, but... Uh, <laughs> There's like uh, Tell us some websites. Where can people see Just Seeds' oh work yeah. and your prints? Oh, great segue. Uh, we're at justseeds.org online. Um, that's the best place to look at my work, too. I kind of house all my print work there. Um, I was going to say, like, 15 feet above us is, like, this, like, wall of prints. Yeah. <laughs> and we're right next to the Gorilla Girls and Visual Aids, so we're in really good company. And over here in the Friendly Fire section, which is devoted to um, activist collectives within the book fair. Yeah, this is a really just amazing wall of participants here at the book fair. Um, Mary, how long have you been involved with Just Seeds? Um, I've been involved since 2007 when Just Seeds became a cooperative. Before that, it was the project of Josh McPhee um, since I think he started it around 97, 98 as a way to distribute um, zines and posters, political art, um, including his Celebrate People's History poster series, which he's been doing for over 15 years. Um, so yeah, he was like distributing it on his own and was thinking about... Um, it becoming a worker-owned cooperative rather than him being a middleman manager type yeah. deal. Um, and then some events happened where it was either going to end or could be reborn as this co-op. And so I joined when we became a co-op uh, with about 13 members then. And now we have 30 members. We just added six new people last year. That's amazing. And so I'm interested in it as a decentralized collective, but there's also a few spots where there are like physical locations tied to Just Seeds. Like one is in Pittsburgh, and what like what actually happens in the Pittsburgh location? 
It's really exciting, uh, especially if you like the Postal Service. Um, it's our shipping headquarters. <laughs> so if you go to our website, um, you can order our prints and publications uh, online there. And we all make work where we live, and then we send it to Pittsburgh. And Pittsburgh is our distribution center. Um, and you can visit the shipping headquarters. It's, it's an <laughs> office. There's a lot of flat files. You can look at all the prints IRL. There's shelves of books and publications. There's stickers and other ephemera there. Um, we try to keep an archive of most of the work produced in the group, even work that goes out of print or is you know, sold out. Um, we also, for a while, this is separate from the Pittsburgh location, but we were um, sending a copy of everything Just Seeps does to the Center for the Study of Political Graphics, which is here in Los Angeles. Um, I think we're not keeping on that quite as hardcore anymore, but we still try to like include one for the archive either the office archive or another physical space we have, which is in Brooklyn, is the Interference Archive, um, which is an archive of ephemera from social movements uh, from like the mid-20th century to present. Um, That was started from the personal collections of Josh McPhee and Derek Greenwald and has continued to be organized by a collective, including Josh and Kevin Kaplicki, who's another member of Just Seeds. Um, So those are some of our like physical hubs Uh, And there's other locations where more than one member lives. Um, In Mexico City, uh, the members that live there are all affiliated with this um, School of the Materias de 68, um, which is named after the the protests of 1968 there and the student uprisings. Um, And they do a lot of uh, educational programming in their print shop as well as print a lot of editions in support of different social movements um, based in Mexico. Nice. And I also, so moving a little bit away from Just Seeds, but I want to talk to you about location in your work, because when Mary Tremonte lives in a place, you get really <laughs> into that place um, with a really multifaceted practice. So you've been in Toronto now for, is it four years? Yeah, three and a half years. Yeah. And what are like, can you give me a rundown of some of your activities? Because it seems like it's a bit of a whirlwind <laughs> of things doing printmaking, teaching classes, uh, DJing. So like what, what's the practice of marriage Monte? <laughs> all the things, all the time, all the good things. Um, well, I w- moved to Toronto to do a graduate degree at an interdisciplinary studio degree at OCAD University. And I work there now in the printmaking and publications department. So I'm a publications class assistant. I'm the technician for the Resograph there, which is That's awesome. Exciting. Yeah, so I teach people how to use it. I also support people with their other print projects. Um, and I get to do a lot of like tests and experiments on the machine, which is really fun. Yeah. So that's like kind of my grounding day job. Um, and then I've been teaching a lot of silkscreen printing workshops uh, in different contexts. Um, I've done workshops the past few years uh, for May Works, which is the Festival of Working People in the Arts, which happens in May every year. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I just did one at Queen's University, which is in Kingston, Ontario. Um, I've done some workshops at the Workers Arts and Heritage Center in Hamilton, which is really awesome space. It's a labor history slash contemporary art center, nice. and they do really great like new exhibitions as well as like historical exhibitions. Um, and it's in the old like what's it called like old customs house in Hamilton. So people oh, would bring cool. in their furs to be like <laughs> you know weighed and traded. Um, this customs house back in like the super colonial settler era of Canada, which oh, I wow. guess we're still kind of in. Anyway, um, those are some of the spaces I've taught in, and I also um, 
Uh, there's another Just Seeds member in Toronto, Jesse Purcell, and he has this full-on, really beautiful silkscreen studio, and I print out it there as well. And we've just started to open up the space a bit more and have yeah. monthly open house, open studio print sales. And we're going to start doing workshops and having open studio time in March. Um, what I found in Toronto, so I moved there from Pittsburgh, and Pittsburgh has really amazing resource for printmaking called Artist Image Resource, or AIRS acronym. And um, Much, uh, many, many <laughs> evenings we've both spent printing there, yeah. Artist Image Resources. Yeah, it's incredible. It's like, in Canadian terms, you would say artist-run center devoted to printmaking. Um, so they have master printers there that print projects for artists. They have artists in residence. They have an exhibition space. They have a huge archive. Um, and they also have an open studio program. So two nights a week is just open to whoever wants to drop in. Expose the screen, maybe use the letterpress, and it's super cheap. It's like super accessible. So there's no resource like that in Toronto. I mean, there's no resource quite like that anywhere. Yeah. But I visited community print shops in a lot of other places, um, like Halifax or New Orleans. Um, and Toronto doesn't have a community print shop. So, sorry. Oh, they're twelve or two for twenty. What? Twelve or two for twenty. You guys take cards? Yeah. <laughs> a little book fair realness there. Yeah, that's uh, right. Making yeah. sales. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I think if I spend more time in Toronto, like I've been talking to people about trying to get a community print shop started, and so starting to have workshops out of our space would be a step towards that. Even if it's like a temporary community print shop or community yeah. print night, you know, and as a way to extend that resource that we have. And that's what's nice or just so great to hear you talk about with your practice so much of it is rooted in community development and working with the community um so when you're doing that in toronto um like where does education sit for you where does uh being a dj work with within that process like how do all these things work together to build a community for you uh yeah um well, with DJing, uh, doing like dance parties, usually in small small spaces, cafes, um, queer bars. Um, I don't know. It's about making like a safer space, safer. I say because no space is completely safe, but making a space for people to like come together. Um, and I think through doing art, education, workshops, like that's also a way for people to come together and be empowered, right? Either be empowered in a safe space or connecting with other people physically while dancing, or while learning a new skill, or like you know manifesting an idea you have for a graphic or a visual idea and like printing it even if you don't maybe consider yourself someone with technical artistic ability like silkscreen printing is so accessible yeah. Um, so yeah so I don't know I started doing zines when I was a teenager um, you know I've been drawing my whole life and got into printmaking in undergrad and just these are like ways to bring people together like like my friend Shannon Gerard who's a really really radical visionary educator in Toronto who teaches at OCAD like she always talks about how the word publication has the word public in it and how publications are a way to like create publics or bring different publics together yeah and that's like one of the things I do love about zines is that I always talk about them as a bit of a search. It's like you make this thing and then it goes out into the world and then you can suddenly meet people that you want to be meeting because you've put this publication together and put it into the public. Yeah, you're putting this signal out, right? Yeah. And that was that was like really crucial for me when I was a teenager in the mid nineties in like the suburbs of Washington DC. Uh, kind of just in the Riot Girl or post Riot Girl era. Um, there are all these like young women, teenagers making zines yeah, and trading them with each other and also just a lot of pen palling. I had like 
a pen pal ad in the back of Maximum Rock and Roll. There's all these people writing me letters. Um, We had a lot of communication through the mail, and it was a way to just feel connected and less isolated. You know, I know that there was something else out there beyond the here and now that could feel stifling and boring. Yeah, what was the first zine that you ever made? Uh, I used to do one for a few few issues in high school called Spargle, which is a German word for asparagus, (laughs) which is maybe reflective of my sense of humor at the time. But uh, me and one of my high school friends, Leah Baldo, put it together. Uh, and then we had a falling out. We stopped doing it. Oh, no. <laughs> and then uh, I did one called Pussy Brat. Yeah. And then I started doing one called Chickpea, which I've only done a few issues of. But um, yeah. probably like every few years I've done that. Kind of a personal zine where I interview people and just write articles and include art from other people. Nice. But yeah, the first scene was in 1993, I think. Yeah. And I think a lot more of what I do now is more facilitating other people learning to make scenes rather than me just producing individual zines, um, doing projects collectively. Like um, the zine I mentioned, Theory Boner, that me and my friend Jenna edit, was kind of a way to like create create this public and make more visible this public of people who are interested in like feminist and queer theory and visual yeah. art. And we were both in school or just out of school, like graduate school, university at the time of doing it. Um, And, you know, loved reading all this critical theory, but it's some of the joy sucked out of it, like being in an academic setting and also feeling like academia kind of can be compartmentalized in a privileged space to access these ideas. So so thinking of like visual art as like a way to like both express the pleasure in these ideas, but also make it accessible to a wider audience. And then as a way to connect people that are interested in that idea. I think that's also one of the strengths of just books or zines in general. It's like you have all this stuff you want to be talking about and to get out into the world. And books are just immediately accessible. Like everyone knows how to operate one, right? (laughs) Like you you pick it up, you can read it. So I do find that that is one of the really exciting things about being at the zine fest or at the art book fairs. Like all these things that are way uh, easier to access than like a typical gallery show or anything like this. Um, what are some things that you've noticed changing within your practice moving from Pittsburgh to Toronto? Um, well, I really, I missed and I still miss my really awesome community in Pittsburgh. This yeah. like intersecting community of, you know, punks, activists, queers, just like sweet, dreamy makers of things, uh, makers of spaces. Um, so I think when I moved to Toronto, I was like kind of trying to trying to bring people together to try to like make community for myself again. Um, but you know, it's like a really long-term process building that. Like I was in Pittsburgh for um, you know a decade after university, um, building and building relationships with people um, for a long time. So you can't just like instantly create a community in a new space. Yeah. Um, but. For the first year I was in Toronto, I was the only Just Seeds member there, and we just released a new portfolio about migration and migrant justice. So I organized an exhibition of it, and then also invited in um, other artists, designers, and activists working on that issue locally. So that was a way to meet people locally and connect, and also, again, create a public, create this like event through having this like printed portfolio that could supportable exhibition and then it's like a way to talk about complex social issues yeah. um, and I don't know with DJing too I used to organize a monthly queer dance party in Pittsburgh called Operation Sappho um, 
with a group of people, but the, the people I, wor- I worked with like changed over the years, but I was kind of the only constant in the group, Yeah. you know? And it p- continued for about a year after I left Pittsburgh. Um, but just like finding like-minded peeps to DJ with and finding like which spaces I want to be in. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting, like it's good for the ego and that it's a little humbling, like moving to a new place where people like don't know your deal, Yeah. you know? And then how do you express yourself? within that zone do you find that's like also a good way to kind of recharge a little bit like having mm-hmm. to do everything from the beginning and it's not completely from scratch because you're an established artist you have like all of your practice behind you but it's still just trying to get to know a new place and like I know I can, I've been in that situation several times and it's yeah. a little daunting but also reassuring when you can yeah, when find you, your people yeah when you can find your people and like reground yourself and just yeah, I don't know. See how you connect to people in a new way uh, through like strangers' eyes. I don't know. It's just yeah. seeing what resonates in other people and yourself. Uh, it's a really good feeling. It's good to know that you can ground yourself in new spaces. Yeah, and to just know that there's like possibilities, right? Of like yeah. other communities, other publics, other places. Like so many people you could know. I mean, that's like a really exciting recharge of being at this event, at this book fair. Like. Yeah, there's like a really dense amount of amazing projects and people here, like so many projects that I've been a fan of for a long time. They're like here in person. And so when you're a really big fan of someone's project and you're here in the same room with them, finally, are you going to like go up and talk to people, or are you just like hanging back and watching from afar? I'm totally talking to people. <laughs> good, good. That's the best way to do it. Yeah, that's what we're here for. I think, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, so Mary, before I take off and let you get back to selling these amazing books and prints, I want to be purchasing two copies of Theory Boner, and I also want one of these hankies. Can you tell me a little bit about, about the, uh, the hankies? <laughs> sure. Um, the hankies, they have animals on them, most of them. Um, and I started making them. I had made a print with a, a bear hanky drawn onto it that said, like, um, Let's Go Cruising, which was kind of, it was for an exhibition of kind of like WPA style posters in Chicago, like public work style posters. Um, and it was like in response to these like anti-cruising zones. Um, it's kind of making like a pro-cruising sign. Yeah. And then my friend Sean was like, well, you should make an actual bandana of this bear. And I was like, you're right. <laughs> so it was kind of like riffing on both like gay hanky code and also kind of like a gay queer pantheon of like animals like bear culture um and then from there i did a wolf bandana which was like for an up the wolf dykes dance party and then otter which is part of the bear pantheon too and then i did a beaver one before i moved to canada um so it kind of like and then i've done like raccoon more recently which is more based in toronto so it started i think being more rooted in kind of existing like lexicon of, of gay hanky code and also of um queer animals queer zoology or animals that queer humans identify with. Um, but I think it's branched off a little more outside of that existing lexicon. Yeah. yeah. Which ones do you have here today? Well, I had a few Dolly Parton hankies, but those are gone. Oh, my God. <laughs> I want the Dolly Parton hanky. <laughs> Please make more. I will make more Dolly Parton hankies. That hanky's a collabo with my friend Lauren Horty, who organizes a party called Steers and Queers in Toronto. Nice. And every year, they do the party quarterly, and every year in June for the kickoff to Pride weekend, they have Night of a Thousand Dollies. So last year, <laughs> we collaborated on this Dolly hanky. Um, I'm going to make more. 
Uh, but we have raccoons, badgers, wolves. Um, we have a medicinal plant hanky designed by Roger Pete. And then we have a moon hanky designed by Jesse Purcell, which is really lovely. Excellent. All right, Mary, thank you again <laughs> for talking with me and for being on Paper Cuts. Um, looking forward to spending the rest of the fair with you. Totally. This is Christopher Cardenbicus. I'm here with Paper Cuts on Clock Tower Radio. We are at the LA Art Book Fair on Sunday, last day of the fair, in the final hours of the fair. And I'm sitting at the table with Darren Klein and Friends, where he's releasing his new box of books, Volume 9. Darren Klein is an LA-based zine master, curator, um, all-around wonderful person, very dear friend, and constant inspiration. So, Darren, I'm very so happy to be talking with you at the LA Art Book Fair. How's it been this weekend? First, Chris, I'd just like to say thanks for that really lovely introduction. The fair has been overwhelming, as usual, in a fantastic way. Tons of people, lots of uh, people watching, and of course, just way too many amazing books and zines. And we're both here sitting at like the edge of exhaustion at the end of the fair. Um, and you have a very small stack of boxes of books with you left at the end of the time. Um, can you tell me a little bit about what the box of books actually is and how it got started? Yes. So uh, the first time I exhibited at the LA Art Book Fair, no, I'm sorry, the New York Art Book Fair, um, I brought uh, a variety of, uh, of zines that I had made and zines that my friends made. And I found that when people got to my table, they were so confused uh, by the overwhelming nature of the fair itself, and then my table itself actually had tons of stuff on it. They seemed really interested in the work, but they didn't know which one to buy, and they were all different sizes and different prices. So I decided to give people that, um, the variety that they seemed to crave, but uh, all packaged in one box. So that's when Box of Books came into existence, and that was nine years ago, nine volumes, nine boxes. And so the box of books is like around 20 or so artists that are contributing. And can you tell me a little bit about the format that unifies all the books? Yes, they are what is maybe not very commonly known as maze uh, fold books. So they're all made with a single piece of paper, cut and folded in a specific way that you can get a front and back cover, six pages, and then uh, fold. it's all folded down from a single piece of paper, which the... Uh, the back of the piece of paper can be used too so you can unfold the book and you might find a, a poster or additional images or texts. So then since you started this nine years ago and you've been holding events not just at the art book fairs but also at galleries such as Human Resources here in LA um, you've been keeping it to pretty much this one single product at the table. So for the past nine years you've been sticking with this format and releasing the box of books pretty much by itself um, at the art book fairs and at galleries such as Human Resources. Uh, can you tell me what, you're, what you look forward to each year when you're bringing a new box of books to the public? Oh, just working with new artists, seeing what kind of uh, different spin they can bring to the, to the uh, 
the confines of the of the format. Everyone has to use the same format. So just seeing like the different kind of uh, the different uh, ways that people work within that format is really exciting every year. So then also now that you're doing the books, and like you've been doing it for so long, you've got. Um, this new iteration of the box of books where you're working with Tiny Splendor, what does that allow you to do that's a little bit different than previous years? Well, I met Tiny Splendor at the LA Art Book Fair in 2015, and I approached, I fell in love with their work, and I approached them about uh, possibly doing a, um, a print job for me, and they said that they were already planning on doing a zine pack, and they had these amazing pink pastry boxes that they wanted to put everything in, so we decided to just make it into a collaboration. And it's really exciting because in the past, the artists had to um, not only design, but also produce all of their books for the editions. And now, uh, this year, we, we got their artwork files off of them, printed it for them, and uh, put everything together for everyone. So it feels like a little bit more of a, um, uh, it's, it's elevated somewhat by that. And it's a risograph printed. It's all really like just fucking beautiful package, and it's nice to see the box of books every year and how it changes. But th with this iteration of it, since it's all produced in the same way, it's all unified in a really interesting way. Um, when we were talking earlier, you were saying that the next iteration, the tenth volume of box of books, might be the very last. Is there another unifying theme or a new group of people that you're going to be working with? A new process? I'm not sure who's going to be in it, but it is going to be all letterpressed. And I'm going to be working with Jay Fischel, who runs Bullhorn Press, uh, which is uh, shares a space with Other Wild. So you've been making zines for a long time now. What's the, uh, what's the first zine that you remember making? My first zine I made was in high school. It was kind of like a poetry journal with some photography and um, some poems and... Uh, the covers were all all 150 covers were hand watercolored, and they were they were bound with twine. Um, who have you been collaborating with over the course of your zine production uh, life? Um, well, there's over there's about or over 20 artists in every box of books, and this is the ninth volume. So, uh, and that's just one of the literally hundreds of things that I've done. So many, 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 many people and artists have uh, come through my zine collaboration door. <laughs> so why zines? What's attractive to the form uh, about the, uh, the format for you? They're cheap and easy. Um, we've also just been joined behind the table by Lewis Schmidt, who's crouched down here next to me. Hey, Lewis. Hi, guys. Hey, Lewis. Hi, Lewis. How are you? Oh, so it's What's great about this is that Darren and Lewis also collaborated on a new photo zine called Two Bag Pile Up. Uh, Lewis, can you tell me a little bit about Two Bag Pile Up and what inspired you guys to do this? Yeah. Um, well, I did an art show in 2009 in uh, an artist studio, an artist named Amy Adler, and Darren uh, organized all the weekend events for that show. So, like, one of the events was a zine fest, and one of the events was... Uh, like a, a, a performance night, and one of the events was a, um, a cornhole tournament. <laughs> was a cornhole tournament and non-regulation, non <laughs> non-regulation cornhole tournament. And for for people who don't know what cornhole is, it's a a, a a beanbag toss game. You know where you throw a beanbag across a distance onto a board, 
anyways, Darren and I were playing were playing cornhole and and uh, <laughs> we were cornholing. We were corn. Darren and I were cornholing. <laughs> it was so fun, and um, one of our bags landed on top of the other person's bag, and we I can't remember who blurted out two bag pile in in unison. <laughs> We, we, yes, in unison, we, we shouted, two bag pile up. Oh my God. Oh my God. And, and, uh, (laughs) and I was like, dude, that's the best name for a zine I've ever heard in my life. We have to collaborate on it. So that was, uh, that was in 2009, seven years ago. We have, we have not been working on it since 2009, (laughs) but we finally decided to do it. No, we have to say we were, we've been working on it for seven years. It's always depressing when someone tells you how long they've been working on something (laughs) and then you look at it and you're like, Oh my God, really? Right. No. So, so seven years of thought to really just pump out a book in two hours. Right. I think Darren was initially hesitant to, to make the zine. I had to like sweet talk him into into going for it. And I'll tell you why, because I'm the I'm the organizer, I'm not the content creator. Right. So um, I had to join the twenty first century and then um, <laughs> now that I have a, a smartphone, then I realized that I could take pictures. I think I just convinced you that you're an artist again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> After you you abandon your own private art practice. Um, but anyhow, so the first two two bag pileup is a is a classic split photo zine in which um, my photos start from one cover and go to the center and Darren's photos flip upside down and start from the other cover and go to the center and we meet we meet on the centerfold and um, it's that we we have conceived this uh, this first iteration as the first in several two bag pileups that each of which will be uh, executed in a different like classic zine manner. So this one's like a classic uh, legal legal paper size folded in half. We want to do one that's like got crazy compositional layouts with folds. We want to <laughs> do one that's like maybe a miniature version and then we'll this is like the big picture dream of the project this is right now, you know, but then yeah. like we want to like we're setting a few aside from this first edition in hopes that like each subsequent edition we can compile into like a small box set. That sounds pretty amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Looking forward to all the future iterations of this. Um, also, I want to, while Darren is over here and not really paying attention to us because he's pushing all of his amazing zines, I want to impress upon the audience the importance of Darren Klein to zines in L.A. Can you talk about Darren a little bit as a figure here and his importance to the medium of zine making? Well, yeah. I this mean, is now the Darren Klein love fest. <laughs> Um, well, there's a lot of love to give, you know. Like, um, I tell I tell people who who uh, who are just meeting us for the first time that Darren is my zine mentor, and that you know I I went I jokingly say I, I went to grad school to learn how to make zines, which is you know like a hilariously ass backwards way to, to to get into zine making, even though I'm a skateboarder and I've you know been around it my whole life. Um, but sometimes it really does take meeting someone and having that like collaborative spark or like some like just seeing someone else doing something that you want to be doing. Yeah. Well, and I think like when you're like super passionate about something and you meet somebody else who's crazy passionate about it, but also has like just miles more experience than you with it. Like, like all of a sudden you're like, Whoa, I'm there's, there's a lot to learn. And this person's like on fire with it too. So like, you know, like I can really like, like learn a lot just by, by lurking around, you know, but I, I think, uh, you know, Darren is like a, you know, an avid zine collector, a zine creator, uh, you know, a zine curator. Like, there's, he kind of operates in those worlds, and, uh, kind of seamlessly. And but one of one of my favorite stories that I know of his is that like, 
this is like how how committed he is and how awesome I think he is is like uh, like he found out about this person's zines. I can't remember. Was it Heather Benjamin who like you sent cash to to make zines? I can't remember. Uh, Jesse Spears. Jesse Spears. Yeah, like who he contacted. AKA fuckers books. <laughs> like he like had contacted to get some like earlier versions of books, and the, the the artist was like, "Oh no, I'm out." Like you know, like I'm too broke to I'm too broke to, or I would just make some. And Darren was like, "Well, what if I just like you know send you send you fifty bucks or something, and like yeah. hey, could you like you can make like an edition, a small a small reprint of each of the ones I want, and like totally send him like this like awesome like little like package and some money to like just to reprint the zines that he wanted. And, like I think that's amazing, you know, to, like you know to to offer to support somebody's zine practice in order just to get the ones you wanted from them, you know, like, yeah, absolutely. like which shows both like." Like, I don't know, that was, like, my question that I wanted to ask Darren really was, like, it wasn't really a question so much, but I think of him as, like, like the most hardcore and principled person I know in the, like, in the art world. And, like, I kind of was hoping you might talk a little bit just to, like, what you think of, like, your own personal ethics or, like, you know, it's not, like, I don't, I haven't really been able to, like, draw a question, you know, but, like, it's really more, like, like, you, you really believe in supporting the artists you really like are very hardcore about the things you collect, the people you believe in, like, and there's something like super inspiring about that, especially in like an art world where everybody's like kind of like trying to cash bigger checks and try like will like crop, you know burn any bridge or violate any like ethical practice to like get something done, you know, like which you know maybe I'm painting a more horrible picture of it, but um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but. I don't know. I think that's part of something that's always inspired me about him. I, I just don't know if there's a question there. So like, you what has like helped sense establish? Thing? I think what you're really asking is the secret of my success. <laughs> uh, the secret of my success is that I've never, I've never done anything to be successful. I've never put any effort into being successful. I've never wanted to do anything to be successful. I've only ever done anything because I wanted to do it and it felt like the right thing to do and fun thing to do. So unfortunately, I mean, I think I could be much, I think I, I'm joking about the secret of my success. I think I could be way more successful if I gave a shit about um, uh, the wrong things or like the, the more popular things or the more financially viable things. Um, so yeah, I'm just down for like what I things that I like and being friends with people and working with friends. That's why I put. Um, that's why my my project name is uh, Darren Klein and Friends because um, I just want to do things with my friends. I think that's one of the really wonderful and very inspiring things about you and your practice. Like Lewis said, it's not just. I know you're working with zines is a way that also helps you build a larger community around yourself and your projects and I love that it is Darren Klein and friends. Um, can you talk a little bit uh, about the difference between zine making as content producer and zine uh, supporting? So organizing these projects, putting them together in a collaborative way and then like supporting people as opposed to like making all the content yourself and putting out things like that. Yes, so back in the day uh, well, the first the first thing that I ever did that poetry journal was was a group a group effort. But then after that, I made probably like I don't know maybe forty books by myself, and then uh, and then I just branched out, or I kind of and they were never you never really do anything by yourself. You always need some kind of help. Yeah. And 
I was kind of like wanting to kind of admit that nothing was a solo project for me to a certain extent. Like I don't exist by myself. Uh, I'm influenced. I'm supported. I'm, uh, you know, all kinds of different things by other people. And so um, then I, that made me just want to branch out and work with more people. So now uh, I basically, when I transition from solo artist to collaborative cultural producer, <laughs> um, I it was very organic. And the, tr the transition involved me having an idea to do something myself and then getting other people to join me in doing that thing. And then now I just only come up with ideas that I want other people to do and so <laughs> so I transitioned from solo to um, kind of like collaborative to um, to like organizer um, so Darren I wonder if you do you want to talk about the scent fair at all oh yeah I invented a new art fair it's coming up at the <laughs> Hammer Museum in May and it's just for artists who make perfume so it's called AIX Artisan Independent Experimental Scent Fair it's uh, Mother's Day weekend 2016 at the Hammer Museum in Los Angeles excellent well Darren thank you so much for talking with us about Box of Books and about the scent fair and about your history and zines it's been a real pleasure Thanks for having me. Hi, everyone. Hope you listen to this. <laughs> <laughs>